This took place four to five years ago, right when I was 16 and right after Halloween. I was selling some stuff online on the Facebook marketplace and I got help from my mother. I'm not going to use any names or locations for private reasons. Once someone had messaged me for a fog machine that I was getting rid of because I didn't need it anymore, I had gotten a new one for next year's Halloween. The account itself seemed alright. It had photos of fashion clothing, as well as other stuff that had to do with fashion. It seemed like an actual person and not some stranger running this account. I had sent them a message, asking when do they want to meet up. They said they could meet up now, and they could meet at Menards. If some of you guys don't know what Menards is, it's kind of like a Home Depot. It was quite a very big store. Reminder, it was around 9 to 10 at night, but I agreed, and my mother drove me out to Menards just to make sure things were good. He said he would be in a silver SUV. I'm not sure what manufacturer or model of the car, but I remember that it was a silver SUV. This happened years ago, and I can't really remember what car he was in. It took around 10 minutes to get there. It was a pretty short drive, and as we drove, he asked if we were almost there. I messaged him saying we were almost there. We see the storefront and we pull into the parking lot. I scan the entire parking lot, and I immediately see his vehicle sitting in between two diesels that had trailers. There was a truck stop or whatever it's called where they fill up their diesels and sleep for the night right by Menards. There was not really good lighting from the streetlights either that night, and he was completely away from the front entrance of the store. I picked up on this as a red flag immediately. I have high paranoia, so this definitely made my blood rush a little bit. Where he was parked was not normal for a meetup for an item that was on sale. It was completely away from any other people. I messaged him saying if we could meet up in the front of the Menard store, as I thought this was more safe. He had completely ignored the messages because we gave him like 5 minutes to answer or we were leaving. It was well over 5 minutes now, and we say fuck it and leave. We could still see him sitting in between those two diesels. The car's lights were all off, making it even more creepy. This was definitely his vehicle by the description he gave. He messages me saying if I was still bringing the fog machine and that he sees us. We didn't even tell him what car we were in, and he was just bullshitting. So we would have to meet him up anyways, or he would just follow us home. My mom decides to drive home, and I agreed because this guy just sat there completely ignoring the messages of meeting up in the front of Menards. The guy was being a complete weirdo, and he wasn't even there for the fog machine. He was there for other reasons, and we knew it. We definitely made the right choice on leaving because he was still sitting in the same spot he was when we first pulled in. The creepiest thing was that the account was no longer available the next day. Now, the story wasn't as scary as people probably thought, since we caught on to what the guy was doing. But still, if we proceeded with what we were doing, I really don't think I'd be typing this right now. This was by far the creepiest thing I've ever experienced and this really taught a lesson to watch out with who you meet up with online. Because who knows what might happen, and thank goodness we made the right decision that night. I'm a female, 
and I was 13 at the time of this story. My brothers M and J and I were working with our dad doing landscape work around the city. We were working in a rundown part of the city, and by then I had grown used to dirty old guys honking at me and hanging their heads out their windows to stare at me. However, what I'm about to tell you is something that I never expected to happen. We were all mowing behind an old pizza shop in a little campground. I was in deep concentration with my mower lines, making sure they were even. I happened to glance up ahead of me. Across the campground was a gas station. From there, a semi-truck was pulling out and creeping into the lawn that I was cutting. I was a little startled, but I thought maybe they were trying to make a wide turn to get into the road. However, they just kept creeping closer and closer to me, and then farther into the lawn. The men in the truck were staring down at me with sinister looks. I was frozen in fear. I didn't think they would actually try to kidnap a child in broad daylight in front of all these people, but the truck just kept coming. It was finally 15 feet from me. One of the men glanced up at something behind me, then the other man quickly jerked his head up. The truck came back to a stop, and they quickly started backing up. I then looked back to see what they were looking at. My older brother M was coming by with his mower. I then looked back at the semi-truck, and it was zooming off down the road. They must have thought I was a good target because I was distracted by my mower, despite there being people all over the campsite. It took them seeing my brother to back off. Needless to say, I quit mowing after that. It could have ended up much worse for me, and I'm so grateful to my brother for showing up when he did. I'd like to share the following story in hopes that younger viewers realize just how unsafe it is to be out alone or out with friends late at night or early in the morning. I recall feeling invincible, that if I was with a friend, nothing bad could happen to us. Well, I was wrong. We came very close to something unimaginable. My friend R and myself, both 16-year-old females would lie to our parents and say we were sleeping at each other's houses, only to pull all-nighters on the train, buses, visiting friends on the other side of the city, and anywhere but safe at home. One night that I'll never forget, we just left a park that we'd been wandering around, as there was a group of older kids and young adults drinking, and we felt uneasy. As we walked, we had started to pass a large shopping center, it was around 4 a.m., so there were barely any cars on the road and zero people around. We saw a bright light speeding down the road towards us and slowed down, pulling into the car park of the shopping center where we'd been walking. We saw this truck, knowing it was coming for us, and we leaped over the fence and started walking along the main road. The truck pulled out of the car park and down the road in the direction where we were walking. We just looked at each other and said, Yeah, we need to run. We turned around and we started to run in the opposite direction the truck was driving down, only for it to do an illegal U-turn and follow us. We were terrified and we had no one to call for help. We jumped back over the fence to the car park, only to be followed back in there by the truck. So we jumped back over the fence and we then remembered that there was a police station at the end of the highway. We had never ran so fast in our lives. 
That night I learned what fight or flight was, and boy did we fly. The truck was still following us until we were a few doors away from the police station, only to do another U-turn and drive away when the driver realized we were almost at the police station. Now, you'd think that we would have gone inside and reported that we'd been followed, or at least go home where it was all safe. No. We were way too scared to tell our parents that we lied, so we pretty much just walked around the neighborhood until the sun came up. We were really lucky. To this day, we can't believe we got away. No matter how protective your parents are, don't go out and lie about where you are. It's not worth your safety or your life. You just don't know who else is out there looking for prey. The story starts a month before my 10th birthday, all the way back in 1999. I had very thick glasses and dark curly hair. It was summer, and I was at a day camp sponsored by my children's aide, CPS. My mom worked days and my dad nights, and my older sister was 17 or so, and she had moved into her own place, so there was no one at home to watch me and my younger brother who was 8 years old. So off to summer day camp we went. It was only down the road at the complex, which was right behind the police station. And by down the road, I mean go behind my home over the train tracks and literally walk down that road and across one road it's maybe 10 minutes away if you walk slowly. I usually just walk through the field as there are never any trains. My family would go to the complex almost every day, sometimes as a group but I never thought anything of not walking there alone. It was basically an open field with grass slash hay no higher than my nine-year-old knee. Anyway, we did all the summer camp activities, and it was time to go home between 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. I don't really remember when it was done for the day. I sent my brother ahead as I wanted to talk to a friend of mine. After I was done, about 10 minutes later, I started off home. I walked right past the police station which had no cars and cops in the area. Not at all weird in my little town. I later found out from my sister's friends that pretty much all the cops were down the road at Timmy's, which was a Canadian coffee shop, which was fairly normal in my town. I had started walking in the field when a car came into the field right in front of me. I wasn't scared. I was in the front of the police station still in clear view of the station door. Also, the man knew my name, and I thought I recognized him. The man was having an issue with his car, and he asked if I could hold a tool for him. I do this for my dad sometimes, so I thought nothing of it. And again, I was right in front of the police station, so after a small amount of time, he fixed it, and he gave me some change for the help. I started back to going home, but I was then grabbed from behind and put in his van. I had tried throwing the change at him, but I never really had a chance to scream. He then took me down the road where the police station is. If you follow that road, it dead ends at a factory. But just before that, there's a mall at one side, and then an old age home on the other side, with a helicopter landing pad right behind the old age home with trees all around it. The hospital was just up across the road from there. He started touching himself while I was right beside him in the passenger seat. I was able to get the seatbelt off myself and then jump out. He of course climbed out on his side 
and he was coming around to where I was when I yelled at him. I'm telling the police. He ran his fat ass right back into the driver's seat and then took off. I never got to close or slam the car door shut. I then started walking to my friends who was halfway between where I was and home. I never even thought of going into the mall or the old age home or even walking to the hospital. About five minutes into the walk, I saw a female adult and I ran to her. Now, I'm Canadian, so there's both English and French people in my town. This lady happened to be French, so I told her the best I could that I had been kidnapped. The sweet lady brought me all the way home, about 30 to 45 minutes, and I spoke to my father about what happened. My mom was still at work for about another hour. By the time I finished changing, my dad brought me right to the police station. I was there for hours. My mom got home to an empty house and was relaxing when my brother walked in. She asked him where everyone was, to which my brother then replied, JJ got kidnapped, so dad took her to the station. So off she went. Anyway, I was in a small room by myself at some point, with also some male cops for quite some time. My dad left for work after my mom got there. At some point, the police who were interviewing me talked to my mom, and they asked if I'd make up a story like this, to which she replied, Never. She would never make up a story like that. After some more time, they drove me across the street to look at the field to see if I would see the change I threw or car tracks there. There were none. But keep in mind, this was like two hours after the kidnapping. So they drove me down to the landing, and there were tracks there, so they did finally believe me at this point. The next day, my mother went to the complex to withdraw us from the day camp, as they were not supposed to let us leave without a family member picking us up. My sister was late or forgot. I can't remember. Once there, she explained to the camp leaders that we would not be returning. When she was overheard by the owner of the place, he was there while camp was in session the day before, and he told my mom that he had to threaten a man who was watching a swim. He was told to stop, and that he couldn't stay there unless he was buying something. That or to go swimming. The man made a few phone calls, and he seemed to be following the day camp group all around. The owner had video and contacted the police. From what I'm told, he was found in two weeks in a city just an hour away. They didn't arrest him, as they wanted the van that he kidnapped me with. It took two weeks for him to go to the van. On my birthday, I was doing a photo lineup. I picked him on the 30th out of like 50 photos that they had showed me. I got him on my first try and refused to look at any more photos. We later found out that I was his 21st victim. There were 20 girls and one boy. We also found out some other things. Like how two weeks before I was kidnapped, his wife was leaving him and taking his two stepdaughters with her. They were, after all, her daughters. She found out that he was molesting them, and she had gone to the police where they live in Montreal. The police didn't even bother to look into him. Had they looked into him, they would have found him stalking me. I was told that I had actually met him at a camping ground my sister took me to that was half away to Ottawa, about 30 minutes out of town. I didn't remember that meeting for a long time. He had introduced himself as Mike, but I had met two guys named Mike that day. 
I only remembered the 16-year-old handsome boy with long brown hair and abs, and I told the cops that. I was about 14 or 15 when the memory suddenly came back. I was swimming in the water hole, and I was looking for a raft. There were dozens of rafts in the shallow wind, and there was a man with half a dozen all around him there. And there wasn't too many people in this area, just him. It was Mike. I asked if I could take a raft, and he agreed to give me one. I took it, and I left back to the crowded area. He had been following me since then. When I remember that, it really freaked me out to my core. He usually attacked girls in school bathrooms. After he went to jail, he would call up random homes asking for children, claiming to be a radio DJ with tickets for the kids. There were hundreds of calls before someone dialed the number back and got the county jail. These charges were added to the rest. He was, to my knowledge, never charged for all the crimes against me, just a minor one. They wanted to make sure they could rearrest him if the charges for all the other kids failed to get him a sentence. He was eventually sentenced under the Paul Bernardo Act, and as a dangerous offender cannot be paroled without proof that he would not reoffend. He still tried to have the dangerous offender title removed after about nine years. Let's skip ahead a bit to the future. I was unknowingly pregnant with my first child. I freaked out and we moved out of the town that I grew up in. I didn't want to be there if he was able to get out of jail. Thankfully, he refused mental health and the phone calls were taken as proof that he really did plan to continue to harm children. He's still in jail to this day. I never moved back home and I don't plan to. I'm much happier and healthier living elsewhere. I still have panic attacks and anxiety from all this, and as an adult with two little ones, I'm always near my kids, and I never let them get too far. I still think back and remember how scared he got when I told him I was going to the cops. He could have killed me and molested me for saying I'd tell. I was lucky to get out of this within 45 minutes with nothing but a bruise and horrible memories. I still can't believe this adult male who was 33 had turned tail and ran when told off by a nine-year-old. I'm very thankful that he didn't kill me. He could have left me there and I wouldn't have been found for days. I still have the court papers to this day, and some of the things I read there I can't unread. His psych eval, for example. I'm gonna have an article for this story linked in the description if anyone wants to read it. The man's name is Ian Michael Cheeseman. I really wish Canada put people to death. I'd probably be in the front row seat if they did that to him. Hey everyone, that's about it for today's stories. If you have your own story that you would like to send, you can send it in at southerncannibal.com or you can email it at southerncannibalstories at gmail.com. I look forward to telling your story. Have a good night or good day, everyone. And remember, to always.